said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Bonjour, Scott. Bonjour. You must have just come back from France. Oui. Nous sommes de retour de Paris, et c'était magnifique. Magnifique. We're doing that. You're saying that magnifique for one of our listeners, yes, right? Yes, magnifique. C'est <laughs> un voyage, une... Uh, Un voyage and une experience magnifique. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things we did when we were over in Paris was we set out on a journey to compare cultures. And the French culture, the Parisian culture, and the uh, compare it with the United States. Because what's happening in the United States is pure madness. And I can't tell you how many time how many people I've spoken with over in France and spoke with them about uh certain things that are happening in America and what's happening in France. And you know, we know that French France is a socialist run by socialists. We know that it, they're also run by globalists. And I believe that we are in a uh, world war and it's a culture war, and it's a war that's run by corporations that have a super monopoly engaged in global corporate partnerships that are controlling politics, media, uh, and and uh, and basically people, and and uh, they're harnessing slave labor for their profits and. The only people that benefit are the people that get a seat at the table. And that table rests in Davos, Switzerland. Each year, they set out and they put together an agenda uh, within the World Economic Forum, run by Klaus Schwab, and financed by companies like Big Pharma, uh, Pfizer, and big corporations, multinational corporations. Not the... Not the local and national corporations. They're not admitted. They're not welcome. 
because they didn't sign up for ESG and DEI, yeah, diversity and equity inclusion and, and environment, social governance. They didn't sign up for all that. And so they are, they are in a position where they get to con- get a piece of the pie in every country whereas other co- other companies are zoned out, regulated out, blocked out. G7 nations are blocked and banned from doing real manufacturing that blows smoke and set, you know, and and adds adds to the carbon footprint within your country where while at the same time BRICS nations are getting green lit or green lighted to basically uh, blow smokestacks, coal pl- fire plants, and manufacture using their cheap labor because they have 1.5 billion in India, 1.5 billion people in China, and basically that's 3 billion people. And then other third world nations uh, like South Africa or Brazil, you know, that are more developing than, say, China and India even. And India is most of that, that country is kind of developing. So it's cheap labor. So these multinational corporations are getting this cheap labor and they're profiting and they're taking their profits and pushing in a political agenda on you, the people, and they're controlling the earth. And we had antitrust at one point. We had Sherman Act. We had to, to, come, to, be, to push back against the Rockefellers' dominance with Standard Oil. And, and that was energy right there. And... Now they have these super, super global monopolies, these corporate partnerships, global corporate partnerships that are running a uh, gumshot all over the world that basically control the pockets and the, the votes of politicians. They control the words that are coming out of the mouths of every media outlet and everything that's being printed and everything that's being censored. They're controlling it all. And so... I wanted to actually see what was going on because a lot of the stuff that's happening in the United States, we're scratching our head and we're wondering, like, what the heck is going on here? This this whole Black Lives Matter BS and this whole tranny thing and this whole um, LGBTQ XYZ thing. And you got this one universal flag now that came out of nowhere. Somebody designed it. Somebody paid for it. And they're putting it up on the tops of embassies around the world. Our State Department is in on the action. Our our uh, government. You know, I saw while I was over in France, I saw this flag on the White House. I don't even know if it's still there, but there it was. You know, the Black Lives Matter and the tranny flag, along with the rainbow, all center right there in the middle of the White House. And two U.S. flags on each flank. As if our nation is governed by a bunch of freaks. And it's ridiculous. So one of the first glaring things that we noticed heading out to France is that when we were in France and we went around and had uh, all these, we went to all these different arrondissements. We were, we were in every major arrondissement, which is the French word for district in Paris. And what did we not see? I didn't see in the 11 days that we were in France and the, uh, you know, the districts that we went to, whether it was the Latin Quarter, the Le Quartier uh, Latin. Le Quartier Latin. 
The student and district. The student district, whether we were at the Sorbonne, uh, whether we were at the University of Paris, whether we were anywhere we were, uh, multicultural uh, areas and districts, wherever we were, wherever we were, whatever Aaron Desmont we were in, there was not one, and I repeat, not one, uh, rainbow, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, trans flag, with one minor little exception. Now, there is one of the arrondissements. It's in the Marais? Yeah, Marais it's, it's, area? it's called Le Marais, which is the French word for swamp. It's uh, where um, Victor Hugo's house is there. It's become sort of a trendy area. It's a historic a- a town, a section of uh, Paris. That's considered like the hip, trendy place. There were a few minor, no, very... Not uh, even a few. Uh, it wasn't even a few. It was the, it, That is considered Paris's so-called, in air quotes, Gaberhood, but Gaberhood, but it's very subtle, very subtle. And so they had this section where they painted the streets like they did in they do they do in Philadelphia and a lot of other American cities. But here's the kicker: there was this because it's June and gays and and trannies and and Black Lives Matter somehow get you know June you know and we had this Juneteenth. They don't even know what Juneteenth is yeah. over there. They, uh, we, we were, were there, there on day. June nineteenth, yeah. and and so um, they don't know what Juneteenth is. <laughs> they don't, and so there wasn't one flag, not in one area, did we ever see one of those flags, with one exception. It was an ad run by Clear Channel, an American company based out of I think San Francisco. The financiers are are um, like BlackRock and the, the typical companies that control and dictate what clear channel can do and they're pushing their the american influence they're trying to push this this whole concept this whole weaponization of this political power group because let's face it black lives matter generated 83 billion dollars over the course of time since since uh michael michael brown uh did the hands up don't shoot lie right $83 billion, they're buying houses in Malibu. It's not trickling down. They didn't do one doggone thing uh, to help black people. Black Lives Matter never did that. All it was was about the, it was, they were trying to divide black Americans from speaking to each other to persuade each other into doing good things and right things. Like black conservatives would have a voice in the have the ear of a black liberal, and basically get to uh, talk about what it means to be a black conservative and how empowering that could be. And the liberals didn't want any of that. They don't want black liberals going over to Trump because Trump said, "What the hell do you have to lose?" Right. So they didn't want that happening, and Trump was starting to to make inroads. So they ramped up Black Lives Matter and had it generate uh, funding and in their donations page. And it went over to Act Blue, who gives 100% of their donations uh, come in and 100% of that money goes to liberal uh, agenda, liberal policies, and liberal politicians. That's it. So Black Lives Matter was just basically a money arm. And it worked so well that they decided, we're going to do this with the trans and LGBT, only the find out though the lgbt community doesn't even really want trans 
because a freak show to come into it because it's embarrassing and it's making them look bad and all the progress that they made um, for LGBTQ in terms of uh, being accepted in society is sort of going out the window because we're hearing all these horror stories of these trannies doing all these crazy things with children. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing is transy, trannies are, are basically ruining women's athletics overnight. That's another thing that they're doing. And the government and the liberals that are supporting that don't really care. And they're going to start to lose that women's vote. But again, comparing France and America... They are a serious country when it comes to this stuff. And, and the thing is, is that they have no business about this. They could care less. And so, Leonora, you read uh, Le Figaro. Right. Le By Fi- the way, the hotel. Tell them yeah, the, yes. what paper uh, they had. Okay, Le Figaro, the, um, the, the hotel that we stayed at had in their, um, you know, the lobby area, a few newspapers. And one was Le Figaro, which is the French conservative newspaper, which I started reading when I was a student here years ago. And they also a student had- in France. Student in Paris. So what I was so what I was starting to say is is that you don't see um, any uh, overt um, politicization of transgenderism or anything to that effect. But this morning, since I do read Le Figaro every day, I saw an article that there was an incident that took back at, took place at a major law school, a prominent law school in Paris, which we probably were right nearby, Le Centre Pantheon de l'Université Paris Pantheon Assas, and they were holding a uh, um, you know, a, a seminar about uh, transgender identity, and there were a bunch of people that came in and protested the transgender identity by throwing paint and other things and metal objects. Not that we're condoning doing anything like that, but it's very interesting to see that you're now getting a blowback from the other side. So basically, people are saying, get that crap out Out of of here. And and the the other thing is, Scott, and this is a point that we keep making, gay people have existed since the beginning of time. And in many other cultures... There, it's just live and let live. We don't sit there and discuss people's sexuality. You know, we don't make a big to do about it. People but the just liberals want to exploit. They want to exploit it. And just one more point: before we got even arrived in Paris, I had been reading some articles about how the Europeans were complaining about the infiltration of the ideas coming from American universities into Europe. These, All the stuff that you've been talking about, all of the agendas, the woke agenda has infiltrated Europe, whereas many people try to create the narrative that these are European leftist ideas. And one thing I also read was a number of the people in the, on the left in France were starting to complain about how this progressivism isn't part of their original agenda the original socialist agenda was based on income inequality this does nothing for the and you know when people start speaking up and saying i you know i i don't want to be part of this transgenderism people are starting to you know eviscerate them for for speaking up and that's what's become dangerous but to the point you were making when we walked around and we were in every we, major arrondissement uh, we were in front of city hall we were everywhere and let me just say before you continue yeah we actively were looking we were actively for the looking. flag to see if it existed. We didn't see one flag, and, not one. And we were we were in a All lot over. of major places uh, and university areas, too, and we saw nothing. And so, you know, the thing is, is that I remember the last time I was in France was about 2000 to 2001. I think it was Jan- 
uh, December and uh, January and February of 2001. And um, I was in France, and I, uh, they, were still, they still had the franc. They were uh, being drugged into the European Union, kicking and screaming. Yeah. And I remember uh, having a, um, a, a long conversation with this older gentleman. Uh, he was a French guy. And we took a, you know, friend, we, we got to be friends for that moment, you know, at the bar and your whatever. Fr- your friend for the day. Yeah, your friend for the, that, that evening. Enemy and, pour la nuit. <laughs> and we were talking about politics and he was a nationalist and he was basically, you know, hated the whole concept of European mm-hmm. Union. European Union was basically the, the seed of the globalism we see today. And now you have this hyperinflation. It just did last week. The French, infl- uh, I think it was the French inflation went up 25, was it 25%? On- yeah, the inflation has increased. And, and no, no, I- no. But did you read that story about the 20, something about 25%? It was a huge number. Yeah, it has gone up dramatically, yeah. and there is, and just one more point, and I had made this point before we went there, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the current president, uh, Macron, and also, and also the prime minister, uh, Elizabeth Bourne, because of various programs that are being are implemented, right? and there is a possibility, there's a lot of rumblings of reorganization, and Macron is moving further to the right. That is what's happening. He's sort of a centrist, and he was pushed to the left a little bit by the population, and he's moving further to the right. So there is more of a right underbelly that is starting to speak up. So the perceptions that Europe is all a bunch of socialists is, you know, a fabricated narrative. Well, and then that that brings me to the next uh, point that uh, we want to talk about, and that is that although France is a socialist, sort of a socialist country, it's different. It, it has a different construct. They had they have a different relationship. So the people, and, and this is interesting. This is kind of an interesting observation. And I think this is true. I could be wrong. This is my hunch on this. And that is that, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab, the Black Rocks and Vanguards and State Streets of the world, you know, who own these multinational corporations who are dictating the terms of political agendas and control of people and access to slave labor and open borders and one world concepts, uh, which are driven by the corporate gre- corporate money and, and, of course, the greed that goes along with that and the pay-to-play schemes that go along with that. Um, I, I honestly think, though, that that... As much as, you know, they have challenges with the United States, because if, if the United States rejects globalism, then globalism fails right there and then. Because the United States would be, is basically the biggest purchaser, the biggest consumer, the biggest spender in the world for Chinese products or for European products or for tourism. We have the most money. We are the richest nation in the world. And so, you know, even though China might have a higher GDP and a lot of other things, our spending power, I mean, our consumption power, we're the biggest customer of the world. So globalism doesn't work without America participation. So when Trump wanted to get out of TPP and got out of the Paris Agreement and got out of, uh, you know, and was not interested in the Belt and Road Initiative, um, all of these things that are designed to 
in, in advanced globalism and supply chain economics and China manufacturing and cheap labor and slave labor and and then leave the R&D and the intellectual property rights to the West where the G7 nations are and allow BRICS to be the slaves to manufacture the products that are invented in the West. That's what's going on. That's that world, new world order that they're talking about. And the um, I think that the World Economic Forum is going to have a harder time pushing their agenda on on countries like France. Not so much Germany, because Germany is all in. Norway is all in. UK is all in with with um, Rishi Sunak and uh, Amir Khan mm-hmm. in, in London. Um, you know, those people are, are basically all in on globalism. The UK is lost. The, I think that the United Kingdom is lost. You know, especially with King Charles being the uber-globalist that he is. So I think that I think that UK is lost, and the reason why I told the story about twenty one twenty three years ago, mm-hmm. the old the old old guy that uh, was a nationalist, mm-hmm. France has this culture that's very uh, nationalistic, with a lot of pride. The French flags everywhere; they don't have any tolerance for these rainbow flags and crap like that. And you know, above the state, the the presidential palace and stuff in France, there was just French flags, and you saw French flags everywhere. They have a lot of pride in their country, and here in America, you know, you have half the America, which is the Biden support, Biden, the people that like Biden, and our main, mainstream media. They look, they come out and say we're offended by the flag. The flag represents oppression and ra- racism is what they're saying about yeah. the American flag. They would never say that. There's not one party in France that would say that about the French flag. And that's that's very true. And you're yeah. talking about across the entire political spectrum yeah. that you wouldn't you wouldn't so, have somebody not wanting so, to be part of their country. So so it's 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 entirely possible and the point I'm trying struggling to make here, it's entirely possible that you could have socialism and nationalism without having totalitarianism, which is what the problem is what was with Hitler. Yeah. It was he was a socialist nationalist, but also a you know, a dictator. And, you know, France, they don't have dictatorship. They have this construct, this relationship, where they're an older, developed socialist nation, where they pay high taxes and they demand and expect that their government works for them. That's something that's not happening here in the United States. Our government is not working for us. They're, they're actually weaponized against us in the Department of Justice, which we're going to talk about later in the, day, uh, in the show. You know, and we're seeing the weaponization of the IRS, the weaponization of DOJ, the weaponization of FBI. We're seeing the complete corruption within the CIA and the State Department. And, of course, we know that the Biden crime family is the biggest crime family since the Carleone family in Godfather 1. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Yeah, right? I, I, know, so, I know what you're you know, saying. You don't have that level of corruption in France 
And if you do, they actually throw those leaders in jail. They well, did with Sarkozy. Well, they did they, with Chirac. They, they have, you know, they have their own levels of corruption. It's not to say that there isn't corruption. No, no I'm but not saying that. But, yeah. but, the, but the point, what we're saying is that, there's a, that there is a nationalism pride and there is... Well, there's also an expectation of services being be, delivered for the price you that they're pay, paying. Because you pay a high level of taxes. So you have an expectation of, of social services because they, you've been paying for them. You've been paying for them. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and so they say, well, we, we, we agreed that we're going to pay you X amount. It's sort of like with COVID, you know. We agree to a 15 days to slow the curve. Oh, it's yeah. now 30. Okay, we'll, we'll agree to that. That's reasonable, right? Yeah. And then after that, it was like, okay, I feel like i just been ripped off. You gave me the brochure. You took my money. You had me sign the contract. Now you change the, the goalposts. Right. You change the deal. You can't change the deal. Yeah. And so the, the French, that's why the French have so many protests. They protest over every little thing. But it, it was really funny, though, with all the protests that <clears throat> happened earlier this year. We just weren't there when there were any protests going on. Yeah. And, and it, it just was a coincidence. But um, but I think there will be more now. Yeah. Well, anyway, friend, uh, if you get a chance to go to Paris, I would do it because it was it, it's a pretty great town. C'est une ville qui est très belle. Il y a beaucoup à voir. C'est très intéressant. Et, <laughs> et tout le monde va profiter d'une visite à Paris. What I said is uh, Paris is a beautiful city. It's very interesting. Everyone will benefit from a visit to Paris. I mean, there's just so much to do from a cultural perspective. But and never once did we, f did we see any woke politics. We didn't see any wokeism whatsoever. Because everybody was... It's live and let live. Yeah, live and let if live. If you're gay, be gay. You know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and by the way, when we were in Hollywood, California, which I thought we were going to be in like a liberal... Yeah. Uh, and uh, I wrote about that at the time. It was the um, same thing. I was thing. surprised. Live and let live, live was their live. attitude. Yeah, whatever and you want to do, do it. Who cares? Just do it. Yeah, we don't care. Um, Close your so, bedroom door. I don't care. Yeah, yeah but know? this whole woke thing, these liberals, they, they know what they're doing. And I'm telling you, the one thing, the one takeaway I had, and it was like a light bulb going off in my head and a, and a palm to my uh, head, forehead, right? I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, gosh. Um, I said... Uh, I said, I see exactly what's going on in America now. I mean, and it's it sounds pretty, you know, pretty obvious, right? And I've been talking about it for years. And so, you know, I always kind of knew this, but this palm, face palm or what a palm to my forehead, I was like, you know, this is totally clear to me now that this whole thing about the tranny flag and the rainbow flag and the Black Lives Matter flag and, and all this wokeness and the DEI and the ESG, this is all government weaponization. A weaponization of government. And they're using this PSYOP this, to in, infect and indoctrinate and groom and condition your children. They're doing it to... Do it the same thing to adults with Netflix programming and all kinds of stuff. You got to basically, if you are going to watch stuff on Netflix or anything, Prime, whatever, or TV, you got to, to, uh, you got to watch it on your own terms. You cannot buy into the political agenda that they're pushing subliminally, subliminally. I remember um, hearing back in the 70s and 80s marketing uh, executives. Subliminal seduction. Yeah. That was and the so they would, they would have like a can, a, 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 they would pour a Pepsi into a, a, a glass of ice, right? 
with ice in it. And somehow, if you were paying attention, you would see that there was like a, a, a shape of a beautiful, sexy woman in the, sh- you know, in the ice. You know how like you could look at a cloud yeah, and yeah, see a face? Yeah, yeah. Well, they were doing that with ice cubes and, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of yeah, other things, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, That continues. And, Still and, happens to this day. And so they're doing that, but in a, in a more sophisticated way today because of... Um, you know, because of all the technologies that we have, they're able to do it and they do, do these deep fakes and things like that. So you got to be really careful because they are not your friends. You got to you got to be informed, and you have to understand that everything that you're seeing in America today and hearing on the news and what the government, what your government in America is doing to you is a complete and total fabrication of reality. It's a lie. This whole trans thing, and it's not at all what they're talking about. It's not all at all about home. You're not a homophobe. You're not a racist. You're not any of those things. And it's all weaponization. It's a psyop. It's a fundraising opportunity. The government is in on the action. And they're basically putting these flags up with U.S. tax dollars, that include conservative taxpayers. And you're paying for their enemy. You're paying for your enemy to weaponize the government against you. And you don't want to do it, but you're being coerced. You don't have a choice because your Republican uh, politicians aren't going to bat for you. They're not fighting for you in the, in the way that they should be. Certainly Mitch McConnell is not. He's enriched. He's getting enriched with his foremost group shipping company by the Belt and Road Initiative. And certainly all these other politicians are not because they're getting financed by the corporations that are actually pushing ESG and DEI. They're all being financed by BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street. And it's all a vicious corruption of money. And it's everywhere. It's permeated every aspect of living. That's why I said a while ago, that the most interesting dynamics that we're seeing in the election 2024 cycle now is J, uh, RFK, Robert Kennedy Jr., right? Um, Robert Kennedy is a big threat to the Democrats. You're going to see the Democrats destroy Robert Kennedy. They, they will do that every 100% of the time. And he's never going to have a chance even though I think even if he were to get be like a Bernie Sanders and outperform Hillary. The, remember Bernie outperformed Hillary, yet they rigged it and they gave it to Hillary, the primary, so, because they knew she was a globalist that was going to be all in on cheating. See, one th- say what you will about Bernie Sanders, but he's not a globalist. And RFK Jr. is not a globalist. That's why he's coming out against vaccines. Vaccines are a product of globalism. It's a weapon. It's one of the arrows in their quiver uh, for globalism. Okay? And the other one is COVID. Uh, the other, oh, well, the COVID and vaccines are one and the same. The other one is climate, I meant to say. Climate is the other arrow in their quiver to control and regulate people. That, 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 that factors into factors into biometrics of your face because every airport we went into biometrics were all over our face 
and we don't have a choice. And the other one is it com- it contributes to the ESG score, which uh, enables globalists to tax corporations in a certain way and allow them a seat at the table or not a seat at the table, depending on their their credit score. Are you complying? Are you doing what we need you to do? You know, it's almost like a concierge enforces all their uh, corrupt mobsters. That are you contributing to the family uh, your 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 monthly contribution? And you know, somehow you got to do do the right thing. Otherwise, you're going to be out. And that's what's going on there. It's, it's it's no different than any other mob. It's just bigger, stronger, and more powerful than anything we've ever seen. I agree completely. Any other final thoughts no, about that? No, uh, no, no final thoughts. All right. So we're going to go ahead and, and, and you might even, Leonora is going to probably have to uh, leave the show. Leonora has we end. another rendezvous. So. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she's a very important person and very, very busy. Uh, especially now that we're back from France. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the way, nothing for nothing, but our flight was late, a six and a half hour delay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was nice to have that extra time yeah. in Paris, but yeah. I could have done without that extra time at the airport. <laughs> yeah, but I got some really great photos you of the indeed. airport. You did indeed. You did indeed. And I posted them up on my Facebook. But uh, in any case, um, we're going to go and switch gears now. And Durham was on Capitol Hill. And uh, we're going to go ahead and play Ben Klein, a clip from him, uh, asking questions uh, that illustrate quite clearly, quite clearly the corruption within the FBI. Take a listen to this. This you're going to love. Confirm these several main points that it that it found. The FBI did not have an adequate basis on which to launch Crossfire Hurricane, correct? That's correct. The FBI failed to examine all available exculpatory evidence, correct? Correct. FBI leadership continued the investigation even when case agents were unable to verify the evidence, correct? That's correct. The FBI did not interview key witnesses in Crossfire Hurricane, correct? Correct. And individuals within the FBI abused their authority under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, correct? Correct. Confirm these several main points that it, that it found. The FBI did not have an adequate basis on which to launch Crossfire Hurricane, correct? That's correct. The FBI failed to examine all available exculpatory evidence, correct? Correct. FBI leadership continued the investigation even when case agents were unable to verify the evidence, correct? That's correct. The FBI did not interview key witnesses in Crossfire Hurricane, correct? Correct. And individuals within the FBI abused their authority under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, correct? Correct. Uh, Makes you feel all warm and fuzzy about your FBI, right? Uh, crazy, right? Let's take a listen to Ben Klein talking about that exchange, and then we have the, the FBI uh, actually went after uh, conservatives and and how uh, it misused the FISA process uh, to target the Trump campaign at the time, but how to this day the problems continue, how the FISA abuse continues, and as we go to reauthorize FISA, we have some decisions to make, and this Durham report is going to help us make them when we see that nothing's really changed there. And that's that's uh, Congressman Ben Klein. Uh, basically, he says, Mr. Durham, your report is not just sobering, as you stated. It's outrageous and deeply troubling. Representative Klein details facts of Crossfire Hurricane. And um, we're going to get to uh, Matt Gates. Matt Gates gave a blistering exchange. Listen to this. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Mr. Biggs. You've given us testimony today that you're disappointed that the FBI didn't cooperate more, right? That was your testimony. Said that. Yeah, so we're disappointed too, but the difference is when regular folks do things that are wrong and unlawful, there's typically greater effort to try to get those people before a grand jury to, to utilize criminal process where appropriate, not, not for other purposes. And it's just like, oh, well, Bill Priestep, the guy who might have set this whole op in motion, he just didn't want to talk to you about certain things, and you were real accommodating to that. And then Mifsud, the person who juices Papadopoulos to create this predicate that you find improper. You guys, you, I mean, did you ever know who his lawyer was, Mifsud's lawyer? He talked to his lawyer in Europe. Not a, I don't know if so he wait, wait, You could find the guy's States. lawyer, but you couldn't find him? We uh, contacted uh, somebody that we knew had, had, rep- had represented him in a, a part of the effort to try to locate him. And you got the lawyer. And then now you're, you're sitting here in front of the judiciary saying you could find the guy's lawyer, but you couldn't effectuate the service of a subpoena because you couldn't find him? Well, you, first you know of all, that as you may or may not know, we wouldn't have um, the authority to serve a subpoena overseas. Um, the lawyer didn't know where Mifsud was. He was in communication uh, with him, but he claimed not to know where he was. And we were trying to arrange um, an opportunity to talk to Mifsud. Did you take uh, possession of two BlackBerry phones from Mifsud? In any way, there were phones that were provided to us by. Oh, so you could find the phones with the guy, correct? Do you see how silly this looks? Like you found the lawyer, you found the phones, but the actual dude who yeah. got ordered by Western Intelligence to go start this thing, you couldn't find. It, it, it's it's kind of laughable. It seems like more than disappointment. It seems like you weren't really trying to expose the true core of the corruption that you were trying to you were trying to go at it another way. As we said in the um, report and as I said in my opening remarks, <clears throat> we pursued the facts as best we could. Well, how about this fact? That we have. Okay, how about this fact, Mr. Durham? The entire Mueller team does a hard reset on their Apple phone in synchronization to wipe away evidence. Did you investigate that? I've read that. Well, why didn't, did you investigate it? Who gave the order on the Mueller team to, to wipe the phones? Yeah, that was not something that we were... Um, asked to look at, and we didn't. No, that's not true, Mr. Durham. That is not true because I'm holding the document that authorizes your activity, and it specifically says the investigation of Special Counsel Robert Mueller. It's in par. Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record the order that says that you're supposed to investigate these things. And so, like, whether it's the Mueller team, Mifsud, how about Azra Turk? Azra Turk, what's Azra Turk's real name? Do you know that? I'm not going to be disclosing the names of FBI personnel that are oh, otherwise unavailable. But, but an FBI, so the FBI sends somebody to go honeypot George Papadopoulos. Who gave the order to do that? I think that's beyond the scope of what's in the report. It's literally the scope of what your charging order is. Who put it in motion? We get after it was put in motion, the FBI did a bunch of wrong and corrupt things. Totally understand. We're trying to deal with that. But when you are part of the cover-up, Mr. Durham, mm. then it makes our job harder. Yeah, well, if that's your thought, I mean, there's no way of dissuading you from that. I can tell you that it's offensive and that the people who worked on this investigation have spent their lives trying to protect the people in this country and pursue within the law you went what it is that we, two, could, we are authorized Durham, to do. You tried two cases, lost both of them, and then the one plea, guilty plea you got, Kleinsmith, Kleinsmith is back to practicing law in Washington, D.C. today. Yeah, that's beyond my control. Right, but, but the, f- the fact that you allowed that plea to occur, 
right? And, and then the punishment was insufficient. The fact that you didn't, you didn't charge Andrew McCabe, you didn't convict the Lion Democrats or the Lion Russians, you didn't investigate Mifsud or the Mueller probe, even though, as we sit here today in black letter, that was your charge. Have you ever heard of the Washington Generals? The Washington Generals, yes. Yeah, and, and they're the team that basically gets paid to show up and lose, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm sure that the players who um, exert blood, sweat, and tears don't view it that way, but you might. I think they do. I think they do because the job of the Washington Generals is to show up every night and to play the Harlem Globetrotters. And their job oh, is thinking, to lose. I'm sorry, of a different, I was thinking of a different Yeah, yeah. so their job is to lose. And I'm kind of wondering... And, and it, just seem, it just seems so facially obvious that it's not what's in your report that's telling. Mm. It's the omission. It's the lack of work you did. And for the people like the chairman who put trust in you, I think you let them down. I think you let the country down. And you are one of the barriers to the true accountability that we need. Do I get to respond to that or comment on that? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've ever investigated a crime. Um, if I don't know that you have. Did, you didn't investigate these, Mr. Durham. <laughs> Whether or How about not, Andy McCabe? Did you charge him? Did you investigate him? Gentlemen, gentlemen, time has expired. The witness can respond, and then we'll move on to our last question. I don't know, sir, whether or not you've ever had occasion to uh, try to investigate crimes under the rules and regulations and under the Constitution that we're bound by. Um, we can gather evidence in particularly lawful ways. Uh, can't charge people because we might think it's not something. Just that we you can didn't charge. charge you didn't investigate. You didn't time. investigate the Mueller team Gentlemen's wiping time. their phones, Gentlemen's and you won't time. tell us who gave the orders because you're protecting those people. Gentlemen. You know Horowitz. Uh, remember him, uh, Mueller. You remember him. You know all of these people are just nobody's getting arrested on the left. But look how many people they shook down, broke in their houses, and you know whether it's. Uh, um, you know, all, all of the the entire apparatus of the Trump apparatus, because Trump is an anti-globalist and and the corporations control the politicians and demand that you either stop Trump or we are going to stop money flowing into your pocket. It's one of the two. And you know what's happening. They're getting that money. They're getting paid to prosecute Trump. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. You know, so that's, that's exactly what's happening. All right. So we have uh, a couple Mr. of Durham, in the here. summer of 2016, this is, uh, Jim Jordan. Government received Durham. intelligence that suggested Secretary Clinton had approved a plan to tie President Trump to Russia. Yes. Was that intelligence important enough for Director Brennan to go brief the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States, and the Director of the FBI? Yes. And was that intelligence put then into a memorandum, a referral memorandum? Yes. And was that memorandum then given to Director Comey and Agent Strzok? That's who it was addressed to, yes. Did Director Comey share that memorandum with the FISA court? I'm, I'm sorry, can you? Did he share that memorandum with the FISA court? Did Director Comey do that? I'm not aware of that if he did. Did he share it with the, with the lawyers preparing the FISA application? Not to my knowledge. Did he share it with the agents on the case working the Crossfire Hurricane case? No. Didn't share it with the agents on the case. Can you tell the committee what happened when you took that referral memo and shared it with one of those agents, specifically Supervisory Special Agent Number 1? We interviewed the uh, first supervisor of the um, Crossfire uh, investigation, um, the operational person, 
Uh, we showed him the intelligence um, information. Uh, he indicated he had never seen it before. Uh, he immediately became uh, emotional, uh, got up and left the room with his lawyer, um, spent some time in the hallway, came back. Um, and he was and ticked off, wasn't he? Yes. He was ticked off because this is something he should have had as an agent on the case. It's important information that the director of the FBI kept from the people doing the investigation. The information was kept from him. Who's Charles Dolan? Charles Dolan uh, is a public uh, relations person here in uh, Washington, D.C. He had uh, prior involvement, professional involvement with the uh, Russian government, representing Russian government interests. Uh, he was a person that was associated with Igor uh, Danchenko. Um, he was also buddies with the Clintons, wasn't he? Uh, he had um, held. And uh, for the, to, you know, in the interest of time, he was friends with the Clintons, worked as an advisor to the Clintons, and they go into a long thing about that, which is interesting. My father will like this one. Uh, this is Russell Fry from South Carolina, uh, who represents the district my father's in. Um, and, uh, my father's, uh, very high on Russell Fry. Let's take a listen to Russell Fry's exchange. This one's for you, dad. Five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We are here today to provide transparency, finally, to the American people. Seven years ago, the FBI launched Crossfire Hurricane, the left's brazen attempt to keep Donald Trump out of the White House. This federal investigation, funded by the Hillary Clinton campaign, caused Americans to believe that then-candidate Trump was colluding with Russia in order to win the 2016 presidential election. Mr. Durham has spent four years investigating this, 480 witnesses, 6 million pages of documents, 190 subpoenas, and executing seven search warrants. Less than a month ago, he completed this report um, that instigated a baseless investigation and launched a partisan attack on President Trump, despite having no true justification to do this. That was the FBI. Within three days of receiving the information from a diplomat in Australia, the FBI opened a full-fledged investigation into the Trump campaign. So, Mr. Durham, let's get into this. The FBI opened up Crossfire Hurricane without speaking to the people who provided the initial information. Is that true? That's correct. The FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane on a Sunday, only three days after reviewing that information. Is that correct? That's correct. So just think about that for a moment. An investigation, a full investigation into a presidential campaign over a weekend. Mr. Durham, the FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane without interviewing any of the essential witnesses. Is that true? That's true. And the FBI also opened up Crossfire Hurricane without using any of the standard analytical tools typically employed to evaluate that evidence. Is that true? That's true. So think about that. The FBI never talked to the people who gave them the intelligence information. They never examined their own witnesses. They never interviewed the witnesses. They never corroborated the dossier. Mr. Durham, if the FBI had done these things, if they had done their homework, would it have found that its own Russian experts had no information about President Trump being involved with Russian leadership or Russian intelligence officials? Yes. So then, was there adequate predication for the FBI to open Crossfire Hurricane as a full investigation? On July 31st, in my view, based on our investigation, there was not a legitimate basis to open as a full um, investigation. Um, an assessment of something that had to be looked at, to gather information, such as interviewing the people who provided um, the uh, Papadopoulos information, checking their own databases, the databases of other intelligence agencies, and the standard kinds of things that you would do in an investigation like this. 
Mr. Durham, I think it's safe to conclude based on that report and anyone who has read it that they did not have that adequate basis, as you talked about, to, to launch this investigation. Let's move on to a second really troubling aspect of, of your findings. From the report, I gathered that key FBI leaders, all the way at the top, were predisposed to go after candidate Trump. This bias likely affected the conduct of FBI personnel in this investigation. Is that true? Yes. Can you describe that for a moment? How did confirmation bias play into this? Confirmation bias, as uh, was alluded to, uh, has to do with our uh, human tendency to um, accept things that we already think are true and to reject anything else. In this instance, there are any number of significant red flags <clears throat> that were raised that were simply ignored. If there's evidence that was inconsistent with the narrative, um, they didn't pay attention to it. They didn't explore it. They didn't take the logical investigative steps that should have been taken. Let's see how real this bias was. FBI, FBI Deputy Assistant Director Peter Strzok drafted and approved the Crossfire Hurricane opening communication. Is that correct? That's correct. And in your investigation, your office discovered text messages between Strunk and Lisa Page, who was the special assistant to the FBI director, McCabe, expressing strong bias against candidate Trump. That's true. For the record, let me read aloud. This, this was generated by, by staff, but this would, would, would look their, like their text messages. On August 18, 2016, Page texted Strzok, Trump's not going to become president, right? Right? And Strzok responded by saying, no, no, he's not. We'll stop it. It's clear that there was no evidence of Russia collusion with the Trump campaign in 2016. The American people deserve the truth, and I'm proud to serve on this committee to uncover these, these lies. That-, that was Russell Fry, and we are living, folks, in a banana republic with a Stasi police force that works only on behalf of the Democrat Party. That is the FBI. And frankly, you can, that goes for the IRS. That goes for the State Department, that goes for USAID, that goes for the CIA, and that goes for the White House, and that goes for the Department of Education. We are living in a banana republic with rigged elections. There's a story uh, out just now. uh, Wisconsin election regulators blasted for mailing postcards to 116,000 inactive voters. That was just out. Exactly the type of work that reduces the confidence of voters. So that is election fraud in the making in a state like Wisconsin. It's a travesty. It's a travesty. And we have one clip uh, related to um, Ted Cruz talking about Hunter Biden. Let's take a listen. 20-year-old in Chicago, does, does he get the deal that Hunter Biden got? Uh, of course not. Look, look, today is a really sad day for the rule of law. And, and, and every American who cares about justice ought to be outraged. What happened today is three things at once. Number one, it is cronyism. Number two, it is camouflage. And number three, it's corruption. Let's start with cronyism. This does not happen if Hunter's last name is anything other than Biden. If he's Hunter Smith, he's doing hard time. It is only because daddy is president that he gets this sweetheart deal with no jail time whatsoever. But number two, it's camouflage. Listen, I predicted months ago that what happened today is exactly what would happen. I do every week a podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz, three days a week. And what I said on Verdict is I said Merrick Garland is going to indict Hunter Biden because he wants to be able to say, look how even handed I am. I indicted a Biden. I indicted a Trump. 
And, and I said, there's going to be a tell for whether they actually care about enforcing the law. If they go after some ticky-tack tax offense or gun crime and they make it all personal and they isolate it just to Hunter Biden, then you know this is just about the Biden Department of Justice pretending to be even-handed. But the third thing it is, and the most troubling thing it is, is corruption. Because the purpose of this indictment is what you just played a minute ago. It's for the media to say, it's all over. Don't look into the big guy. And, and the reason this is on the news right now, the reason we're talking about this, it is not that Hunter Biden is some troubled soul with substance abuse issues. It is that he sold access to his father, who was vice president of the United States, who was president of the United States. And the evidence of corruption of Joe Biden personally making millions of dollars is growing and growing and growing. And the Biden Justice Department is doing everything they can to cover up and stonewall and hide. That's exactly what's going on. And uh, Breitbart came out with something that says, Donald Trump correctly predicted Hunter Biden would be charged with something small. Of course, we know that to be the case. Um, and here's another thing. Um, Paris Agreement control tools uh, include DEI, ESG, and climate initiatives that ensure China and BRICS cheap labor manufacturing of G7 innovations while restricting G7 competing manufacturing Belt and Road streamlines this supply chain to max profits for MNCs. There's a story out that says Belt and Road must align with the Paris Agreement government guidance. Bingo. You know, that's just the confirmation of everything that I've been saying. And uh, it's just right there for the world to see. Um, you know, Tucker Carlson has been doing some really great work. There's a couple of YouTube video, uh, videos. Uh, one is 45 minutes long um, that is on the Elon Musk Live uh, channel on YouTube. Check that out. It's a great, great presentation by Tucker. Also, uh, Tucker outlines the Hunter Biden plea deal in great detail in a 12-minute clip. I think it's his latest, um, uh, uh, latest, uh, you know, opening. Um, but uh, we uh, would love to be playing some of the Hunter Biden clips as well. Also, um, uh, one last thing: Adam Schiff uh, was censured. Of course, we know that. Um, but uh, you know, it's it, there's also something else big that's happening. Uh, Bobart wants to push uh, a Biden impeachment and basically to get it on the floor for a vote. And all the rhinos in the House basically are saying she's, you know, it's frivolous. What's well, not frivolous? And th I think it's important that they do a vote to see who is aligned with what. And that vote will tell a lot of stories, that vote. So we'll hope for that, that that, that happens. Well, you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out MAGAPAC. Make a donation if you can. Use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.